Welcome to this special edition podcast series, Expansion to Culture, the Scandi Way, brought to you by Seek and powered by Hospitality Mavericks. Facing the toughest challenges in history, some hospitality operators are not only surviving, but emerging stronger by mastering the art of people and culture. Meet the Scandinavian Maverick leaders and organization that master this art. We take a peek inside their organizational playbooks, and we learn how they build cultures as they scale their businesses, how they lead their teams, and how they use this to gain a competitive edge that lasts. This episode is going to be a real treat. We're diving into the world of hospitality with none other than Morten P. Ortville, founding partner at Dining Six, a Danish restaurant company that is redefining the dining experience. Morten shares with us the fascinating journey of Dining Six from its humble beginnings in Denmark to its expansions to multiple countries. But it's not just about food and expansion. Dining Six has a vision and a mission that truly matters. And Morten explains why mastering culture and people in hospitality is not just a soft skill. It's a hard core business skill. It's a critical component for gaining a competitive edge in today's market. We explore Dining Six, clearly defined people approach and specific practices they employ to create a workplace where people love to work and stay for years. We explore the act of balancing the needs of employees with the challenges of running a successful hospitality business. And Morton leaves us with some top advice on how to build a people-first business. So, if you're ready to revolutionize your approach to hospitality and business, tune in to this conversation now over to Morton. So, I've been looking forward to today because I just had to rewire myself because I've been speaking Danish with today's guest and uh, we are from the same neck of the wood in Denmark and we just agreed that we will try to control ourselves with our very direct Dan- Danish language and it might be some, some 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 swearing words here and there so just a bit of disclaimer more than asked for that before we started out today. Yeah and also I've been living in London more than a year and I hope that my English would be better now but yeah. It will be a little bit Danish. I hope that's okay. Well, I I still getting asked where I'm from after 15 years now in the UK. So it's okay. It's good to have an accent. They okay, know, great. Know you're from actually being Danish is quite a good thing there in the in the UK. But we're not talking about the UK today. We're going to be talking about your adventure with your business partner in uh, Dining Six, and we're going to talk about how you have created a place that really stands out when it comes to build a great culture, but also how you actually grow the business across borders and the structure, the ownership, and much, much more. I'm very looking forward to that because I already learned new stuff, even though I've met you a couple of times more than that. There's been some some really exciting things to really determine how you actually build the, the community as you have. But just for context, again, for the people listening in to this episode where we're going to be talking about Dining Six, can you talk a bit about your own journey? Because you have your own internal journey and how you came around to, to found a business with six other or five other people, six in total. Yeah, we, we started six. That's why the name Dining Six of the group, where five of us are uh, still 100% in the, in the company. Yeah. But yeah, 
almost 15 years ago, we got this opportunity to... I can't. I don't know exactly English word. It's the way you can do a business in Denmark, but it's almost like a franchise, a, a, a restaurant or a cafe. It was a cafe in in the second biggest city in Denmark, Kolohus. We mm-hmm. got the opportunity to franchise this place, and we we was this group. We got this opportunity, and then we sit down six of us and said we can do this. And all of us was working together as a bartender and waiter in, in Aarhus mm-hmm. that day. So we were young and. I think we could do whatever. Uh, it would be no problem to make a great... bit success. naive, maybe. Yeah, I would say <laughs> now. But, and then we, we took over this cafe and, and made it to actually everything. It was a cafe, it was a restaurant, it was a nightclub, more or less. So uh, we were, yeah, everything. And we worked really hard to make a lot of turnover, uh, but didn't focus in, at all at, at profit. Uh, but we did okay turnover, but we were okay popular. We have a lot of people, uh, but we struggled to to make profit. Mm. Uh, but we worked there ourselves uh, as a waiters, a bartenders, and, and chefs, and uh, had individual roles and yeah and we did everything just to do turnover and then after some years we okay luckily we didn't lose that much money but we didn't make any money so after some years we said okay let's let's stop this but two of the other guys said okay we really need to give this a chance uh, because we also learned a lot and then we we went to the bank and and we succeeded to borrow some money and then in that days there was a, a a Copenhagen-based steakhouse just came out, which was a little bit up-level. And this steakhouse thing was a big thing coming in. And we said, okay, let's try to make a a good quality steakhouse, but with another kind of perspective to how we do service. And we, we got the money from the bank and we said, okay, let's try to give it a real shot, not, not only have a, a franchise. So we opened that and... Together with all we learned and together with one of, I think, one of the first shitstorms in social media in Denmark from a vegan group hitting on us, making this steakhouse. And we call it Kull, which means meat in Denmark. And we had this vegan group that made a shitstorm on us, gave us a lot of publicity in the medias in, in Denmark. So from first day, we were fully booked because all the meat lovers said, we don't want to listen to the vegans. We want to support these young entrepreneurs who are going to open this restaurant. So we were fully booked from day one. And all we learned from this franchise uh, was a great success for us. So actually, we made money almost from yeah first month when we opened this steakhouse. Oh. In Aarhus. Yeah. So that was a really amazing start, but also a tough start because we were yeah, young, our first real restaurant we painted ourselves we stood there and suddenly a lot of people were hitting on us on 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 online and it was before yeah it was beginning of facebook so we didn't know what a shitstorm was no so we are actually we were just feeling a lot of people was hating on us and uh, yeah one week before we opened we i think we have 500 reviews on on tripadvisor and stuff like that and it was half of them was uh, five stars saying we look forward to come and support you and half of them was vegans who's uh, making hate of us so it was a uh, really a roller coaster ride to open the this restaurant but yeah then we we got success and i always wanted to try copenhagen so i moved there and we opened another steakhouse over there uh, in copenhagen and actually it was also a success so suddenly we had two restaurants we, we kept our our cafe and uh, now we have two restaurants and the cafe and um, okay can we do one more? We we did one more in Copenhagen, and suddenly yeah. we have four restaurants doing actually okay money. 
So we and we were running it like we were all waiters. We were managers. We did it ourselves, and we looked at each other and said, "Okay, we do something right here. Let's try to make this more professional." So we contacted some people in the business, and we got a a board set up, mm-hmm. and we tried to make a strategy. And we can see there was some steakhouse, but also other brands in Denmark. They just keep opening the same brand all over, and suddenly. The interest was not there anymore. Yeah, diluted. So, yeah. So instead of opening a lot of restaurants with the same brand, we tried to put up more brands. So we had this Italian concept called Basso. We made up, opened that in Aarhus as well, moved it to Copenhagen, and we made a strategy to make a multi-brand group instead. Because mm-hmm. we also knew that day that this steak could maybe one day be... Something that people don't want to eat, but so far so good. So we 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 put up this multi-brand strategy, and uh, yeah, and uh, really long story short, we are now here with 18 restaurants based in mostly, of course, Denmark, but also Norway with six restaurants, and then we open our first restaurant here in London, where I'm based now, and hopefully we're gonna open more here. From that small cafe to to here, 14 years after, it's uh, been a, a wow. crazy journey, and yeah, it's been amazing. It's interesting. You talked about that you have multiple concepts to avoid dilution, and I get you know also I get create excitement and could be able to change quicker. But how many concepts do you operate now? We have five concepts, which are concepts concept we're gonna expand with. Yeah, and then we have some one-off concepts. We have, we yeah. have two one-off concepts we're gonna only put here. We have one partnership with a with a big celebrity YouTube chef in Denmark. Yeah, uh, which are not. Ex- such an expandable but so yeah we have five concepts we're gonna expect yeah. right now but maybe more will come but yeah we have a different kind of concept yeah. but 18 uh, restaurant and five concept i think that's very well done yeah uh, it is and interesting about you just touch a bit upon you know you are you were six now you're five that would for many people listening in and myself when i actually i didn't hadn't clocked that dining six was because you were six people i knew you were a number of partners now but the dynamics of having so many partners how does that work you know and uh, how do you manage that because sometimes just having a co-founder probably many would listen in and say yeah that's that's challenging or you know leadership group yeah of course it it, it can and it is challenging sometimes but and to make it uh, more uh, challenging i can tell the, Two of them was a couple. I was one of them. Well, was a couple uh, when we started, uh, not anymore. And two of them is uh, twin brothers. So yeah. to make it even more complicated, it was not only six friends. It was also, yeah, uh, couples Family and families, uh, everything mixed together. But I think one of the biggest reasons that we did uh, four years of this cafe without making any money at all. Mm. We didn't lose any money. So we had four years where we could really learn our strength and weakness and really know what the d- dynamic was. Yeah. So right now we are we are five of us left, but we know each other uh, so well. We know stre- uh, strength and weakness. And every all of us is, is full-time here in the, in the group uh, still. But we have a different kind of role. And we don't mix in that. So... The twin, twin brothers are really, really good in the food and the, the, the concept, the menus, the chefs, everything about that. I never mix in that. I never try to speak about what should we be on the menu card. Only if it's on my perspective, I'm the marketing kind of guy. So, of course, I come with something, advice about the menu, if it's something to do with marketing. But yeah. I never 
try to speak about if it should be one ingredient or another because I don't know anything about food. So I will let it up to them who's good at that. Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons that we respect each other's pros and cons. Yeah, I think that that's a really, really good point. And I think having that conversation as well yeah. is key yeah to 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 any business often you don't have that and then you get frustrated about yeah the other ones shortfalls more than you see their yeah. strengths and then of course we we are we we have put in a, a external board who yeah. sometimes are trying to be in between but we also give a lot of response to our management team so and sometimes they're also a part of this so we really try to we say, do you have the partner hat on now or do you have the employee hat on now? Yeah. Because we, we can't mix in that. So it's really important for us to to say when you have an argument or anything, which eyes are you looking at? Yeah. Do you look with your, with your point of view as a partner or, or the, the role you have in the company? Yeah. So we really, really focus about putting up these barriers in the way we work. Yeah, and I guess also now that you work cross different countries yeah yeah exactly I guess you're not in the same place no, exactly. all the time so again it, it demands even more from communication but i think again coming back to when i talked with other founders been together for a long time it's that initial time you have together where you come out of that you know strengthened not weakened yeah and so that was really difficult especially for me when i moved i moved here to london i was the ceo of the company uh, and i could feel that the company went too big for me i'm more like an entrepreneur yeah. kind of guy mm-hmm. so one of the reasons to move here was also to start over and start again to yeah. building up something but I, it's really hard for me to see something now in the way we do things in denmark that's not the same way i would do it yeah but i have to accept that i cannot yeah I have to respect that. It cannot be the same way because, of course, I'm not there. Yeah. So I moved myself, so why should I try to mix in that? Yeah, and the reason why I'm circling a bit around the founder journey because actually that already always set the scene for what kind of business you're building and how it is to be employed there and how it is to be a guest there. And what is actually the vision and mission for Dining Six today? Because you already... <laughs> come very far mm-hmm. within 14 years yeah it is uh, to make a profitable business with nice people mm. actually and we, we want to have fun but yeah. but you have more fun when you make money that's actually yeah. obviously but so but but people are really important for us and and be nice we have a have to uh, make a disclaimer now i'm gonna swear but we have a mantra for our staff saying you have to be fucking nice yeah and that's what we say to our st- uh, new employees: just be nice, be nice to each other, be nice to the guests. And it's not important for us that our waiters know everything about any wine yard in France or Italy or something like that. Just be nice, and if you can recommend a wine you like, it's often more better to instead of telling any story you read in a book about some kind of wine yard. Yeah. So we really, really trying to be get this niceness out in in the culture for our staff and both our guests and also f- for the colleagues. And um, so far we succeeded with that to be that nice. But it's of course it we have to be nice as well. And and that's getting it's not getting harder, but it's it's more difficult when you grow and you suddenly are a big group. We are more than seven hundred staff now, so you. In some way, no matter how you do it, you 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 go in corporate, and I 
I hate being in a corporate company, but when you are so big, you have to do something that's corporate. And uh, making this niceness and corporate together, it's uh, it's difficult. I would say. It's interesting. You have this, you know, principle, values, whatever you call it, pillar. Mm-hmm. You call niceness and of course if you want to have fun you need to make a profitable business and often what i talk about in the podcast if you don't make a profit you're not going to be doing any good or impact in the world because you're just going to be struggle and everybody listening has that probably been in that situation most people in hospitality have been in a place where it really struggled with profitability and there was no fun yeah because there was no money to have fun for but how, how do you uh, can you see that that you know just having that singular focusing on being fucking nice as you call mm-hmm. it really helps also delivering sometimes without have have to have rules and you know processes and systems you know often you can go in in very corporate environment you have a where i come from originally trained in mcdonald's there's mm-hmm. procedures about how the customer service should be perceived mm-hmm. if i can see the the values about that yeah yeah definitely i can see also in we focus a lot of about the ratings from our customer Every day they have 99% of our guests are pre-booked in a booking system. So they get this link where they can make feedback and we get amazing feedbacks. And a lot of them are mentioning the staff, mm. uh, the personality and the way they are treating the guests. And sometimes actually we can also see that it maybe get a bad review because they there were mo- too much personality. So mm. it's of course, it's sometimes it's a, it's a mix and, and also... Moving over here, we have a lot of Danish and Scandinavian staff over here. And the the gap between uh, nice and rude is mm. actually really difficult yeah. sometimes here in UK uh, for me. Because for Scandinavians, sometimes you're actually just trying to make a joke or something like that with your guest. Maybe you're too direct. Maybe you are. So, of course, we can see it straight away in our, in our feedbacks, this niceness. Yeah. Well, I, I've heard when I moved here, and I don't know if that's, again, you know, the Scandinavian, we, we have some kind of, you know, very dark humor sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we go really well with the Scottish, yes. but, but sometimes we struggle with, with the English. And I guess then you're bringing the culture you need to to adapt that. One of the things I also wanted to know, you know, how do you actually, you know, you talked about when you're growing the business, it's get harder to master this, mm-hmm. you know, less corporate. You need to put more, you know, system processes in play rules how do you do that as you scale and then still keep that nerve because i guess i can hear that when you talk about it, I see it in your eyes that <laughs> you have like this special nerve around your culture uh, and it works really well how do you keep it alive we, we keep it alive like giving a lot of this free space to the managers so if for us it's, it's the managers who have to be the personality out in the business and here in london as well i'm i'm one of the managers so me and the other managers, we, we are the personality. And I'm working together with them as a waiter, take the dishes. I'm there side by side with them. Yeah. And and so scaling here in London is is really I really put focus on being together with them. Mm. Not to and 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 so far a lot of both guests and and also employees think it's a, a joke or, or something that you can never be the owner when you're standing there and taking the dishes. But I like to be there and I like to see the difference I make and also the way we do the the culture impact with working there with them instead of writing out an email or standing in a in a staff meeting telling them to be nice. I love to be there next to them and show them that. I really mean it. We should be nice and and 
do this little extra thing to to be nice for our co-workers and our guests. And I guess also that it's interesting that you have that role. It seems like you're going, when it has to expand, you move first Copenhagen, then London. I don't know if you were in Oslo and... No, I, I, I didn't move to Oslo, but yeah. I, I was with them uh, yeah. for a while, yeah. And it's also because that you, I guess you're planting the seeds for the culture you need to keep the Dining Six uh, nerve alive. Yeah, it is. It was not that planned, but yeah, of course, we. it's really important for us. And we, if we ever open a, a new country or a new city, yeah, we really need... <clears throat> one of the partners to go there with us or, or make a partnership with somebody who understands the way we do it. So, for example, in Norway, we we have a, a partner in the Norwegian part and he worked with us and he totally understand the way we do it and he moved to Oslo and, and he was the culture in the beginning there. So, we can see that it's really important. We cannot... We cannot make a management from from another country or another city to make this kind of management. So, yeah, it's it's really important. Do you somewhere uh, to keep that principle alive around being nice to each other and, and the guests? Do do you measure that besides you get the customer feedback in and you can definitely see there's some response from the customer and that's great. You can give that back to the employee and then. But how do you how do you measure if you're successful on keeping it alive? Um, feedback is of course one of the biggest uh, measure and then of course also if we are profitable because we can see it straight away mm. if we have a business where. We have some kind of uh, manager who was uh, demotivated or wears something that's not not nice yeah. in the work. We can see it straight away, both in the feedback and and in the in the in the profit. So, yeah, we we measure that uh, a lot. But of course, happiness is is really hard to, to yeah. measure, <laughs> and to make it. But of course, we we send out surveys for staff and stuff like that, and yeah. people have the the options to to report, but. But I think the the most in guest feedback is is the most the, the best way for us to to measure because without uh, happy happy staff we don't have happy guests. Yeah. What about things like when you 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 come to a new country, you, you set the scene, you you moved here. Have you felt there was some of your Scandinavian heritage that's made it easier for you to establish yourself just staying here? That you just moved to London, you've been here for a year now. You opened, had had really mm-hmm. good success, and uh, it's something that's been easier around the staff bit because this is a very difficult market right now here in the UK, and it's difficult everywhere in the world for hospitality. But, but London is one of the really, really difficult places to to hire the right people yeah. and enough of them. Of course, London is is actually a, a big Danish city. There's a lot of Danish uh, citizen in London, yeah. and of course, I started with contacting all Danes I heard about living here. Uh, yeah. You were one of them, yeah. and so so we. Sp- I spoke with a lot of Danish people here, and then they spoke with each other, blah blah blah, and and, and of course we we got some advantages in getting staff in, and we have, I think we're around twelve Danes in the restaurant now. I only brought. Five, uh, four of them from Denmark. Mm. Rest of them are locals oh. uh, found over here, and of course, some of them bring in their friends or their old colleagues and stuff like that. So yeah, we we used our Danish heritage a lot to to get this and and yeah. So also both in the the staff point of view, but also in the marketing and the guest point of view, invited in 
all the Danes in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most Danes that I know that have definitely been there know about you. Yeah. Definitely, definitely for you talked about as well a storm. You had a storm over here in the media as well. Yeah. Because you were charging for, for, for tap water. I didn't charge. I have to say that. I didn't charge. <laughs> I, I said you could get it for free, but at least... If you get free tap water, then donate something. Yeah, to the the Red Cross was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how it was. But still, again, it was quite amazing how much publicity you got. That almost counterintuitive, a uh, bit like the the old business guy in Denmark called Spies was like had this travel company. Yeah. <laughs> he said no, no bad PR. There's no bad PR. Yeah, Everything exactly. works, and it gives you the reputation you need. Yeah. To grow. What? So so now then you become bigger. Have you then defined like like do you have like a P, like big companies that will have people strategies in place for you know making sure that they become the right place to work so they can attract talent and grow their businesses that or how does that work? Yes or no? We have we have so, of course some kind of onboarding process that yeah. people have to go through this kind of test and yeah. learn this and but that's only a small part of it. We. I think still we are we're keeping the most important thing is to give our management the the free will to hire the people they want so they can decide if they have the right personality to work in their kind of restaurant. So there's there's some kind of things that's the same for one concept to another, but it's also a big difference mm. working in one kind of code to another code and also between countries and, and, and cities. There's a big difference between the culture in, in UK to Norway to Denmark, but yeah. also in Denmark between Copenhagen and Aarhus, there's a big difference. And and there have to be that difference. You cannot make it that strict. Uh, when you work in the, that big area, you have to adapt to the local culture and personalities. Now, how, how do you then give them, you, when your principal give them a very, you know, permission to operate, how do you actually give them that you know how do you make sure that they actually can go and do that because some people really struggle if they didn't have this is the way we do it this is the way we sit down and hire people this is how you greet the customer you know the the whole very you know procedural model often happens when you get past four or five you yeah know, to really conceptualize your business but so far we are we succeeded with keeping staff for a really long period mm. and a lot of our managers are people that yeah started from as a waiter or a dishwasher or whatever so actually one of the managers I brought to London mm. started when we opened the first Kill in Aarhus in 2014 Wow. And uh, she moved here to London to help open in the restaurant. And then now she just took back to Denmark to be a manager of one of the other restaurants. So we have a, a big kind of group that been working with us so long now. Yeah. So the culture is is, is keep uh, giving to each other, I think. And then, of course, we are still, as a partner group, we are still really close to the managers and yeah. to the yeah, to the, the people who operates and try to be involved and try to be there as much as possible. And the operations is for us always more important than the administration. So so we we try to put the focus in them. Are you are you all somehow involved in the front line? Still I know you are and I guess the, the food people are Yeah, the in, two in somehow not directly involved, but they're in contact. Yeah. Uh, every day with some kind from the front line. Yeah. yeah. So we are we out there in some way. Yeah. One of them is uh, building new concepts. So yeah. he, but he's there when we open a new restaurant. He's there 
helping with the kitchen and uh, yeah. chop a tomato or whatever I needed. So, and we speak with our frontline people. Yeah, we really try to be involved. Before we move on, also that one of the things you mentioned mentioned before is that you own a structure because you think like to get to 18 restaurants, then you at some point need mm-hmm. to bring in investment capital or you know borrow more money from the bank or so how how are you structured? How is the the owner structure? We are us five in the in the main group. We got of course some some help from the bank for from from some some of the money, and then in some concept or for example with Norway we have a partner, but that's more like an operation partner. Than yeah. We don't have any financial partner involved. Mm. So yeah, we 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 managed to to do this organic so far with help from the bank, of course. And yeah, besides the the, the restaurants, we also have some catering kitchen in Denmark where we do a lot of uh, catering for. Yeah. So so yeah, so far we did we did it organic. So so no uh, shareholders, no VCs, no private no. equity. And what did that do when you want to build? the the right place to work. Do you think that as an advantage or I think it's it both pros and cons but but uh, in some ways it's for culture perspective there's really a lot of pros that that we can we have forced ourselves to <coughs> to do something else for the staff because yeah. we cannot give them the best pay in the in the in the business. We cannot give them uh, the best pension or the best uh, maternity leave or anything like that. We cannot do that. Uh, but we could do something else, and we can yeah. make a really nice and fun place to work. So, so we were also in the whole period we grow, we were forced to be creative, to make a, a nice place to work and be nice to people because they want to work next to us, yeah. together with us. So, for that, there was of course a, a, a pro for us, but the consequences that. We cannot just attract somebody. We cannot just uh, go to a competitor or whatever and uh, just hire the the biggest profile. We, and we uh, never did that uh, because we did, couldn't afford it. Because we uh, we always focus on 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 the next step. And if we want to expand, we will have to focus on the on the cash flow as well. Yeah. So it's, it's self financed in principle yeah. besides the bank. So I think it's super interesting. But can you talk a bit about the initiative you then do? to make people stay for so long. What is that you think that makes people stay? Because like having a manager that has been with you almost from the day one of the journey and so a lot of people dream about that. You know? Yeah. yeah. What we did for, to to keep them are... Or just what, what kind of initiatives do you put in place as... Uh, I think we do a lot of, of putting in their personality and make something for them. And, and some of them grow with us. And of course, I'm also a different place now when I'm 38 now have have two kids instead yeah. of the me for for 10 years ago with no kids and I yeah. could work 24 hours so so we I think we try to put focus in their perspective what is what is good for them and the example with the with the manager report here the and she wants to try London and when she could feel okay I miss my family and my friends in Denmark okay then we find mm. another place for you back in Denmark Yeah, uh, so we really try to put everybody in the individual position and focus on. That's a big difference being 25, no kids, and also being 33 and maybe gonna have kids or whatever. So yeah. we really try to to find the right balance uh, because we can see it on ourselves in the way we do our own privacy life. Yeah, and I guess also what helps being five partner. I don't know if that's true, but I guess then you also spread that burden to being able to be available 
yeah, yeah. for your 700 people. I know there's still a lot of people. There's almost more than 100 <laughs> people per person. But I guess that helps you to be be in touch with everything. Yeah, exactly. And we have so different personality, yeah. all five. So some like to speak with me, some don't because I think, uh, and some like to speak with some of the others because the way we speak and uh, yeah. too direct or too creative or whatever. So yeah. that we have different personality. And I think that's also give a good mix. So there's always one partner you can go to no matter what kind of situation you're in. What is the the most important thing that you've had to unlearn of building, you know, a great place to work. We all have a vision for that as as founders of businesses, how it will work, and then often doesn't work out. That that's not how mm-hmm. the culture is created. What was one of the biggest thing you needed to unlearn? Unlearn. Yeah. It was actually just that I couldn't write it down. I couldn't read it in a book. I had to put my. It had to be my personality. Yeah. I I couldn't just, yeah take a education or anything else to to build this up because it was I have to be myself and and me all the way to make this culture and to be the nice culture we had we had to be the ourselves and so I think we struggled to find a way to put this into something you could just learn everybody but it's it's still the same when I train a new manager I cannot just give them a handbook and say this is where you do it. I have to be there side by side with them and and and, and learn them as we go. Mm. So when we open here in London, I really tried a lot of times to to write it down or make a handbook how to open a curry restaurant, but I, I couldn't find the right words or explain it. So it was really I had to just just do it myself and be there. I think was one of the especially open over here. Yeah, and I guess also you almost need to rewrite the handbook. Yeah. Then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the the handbook can only be some uh, hardcore facts. It cannot yeah. this between the lines culture. You cannot you cannot write it down. Yeah. How do you build that? You know, because it must you must demand a lot of trust to give that out mm-hmm. again to. So you, you go and train the managers, then you build them up. You give them a sense of the culture and. And you're on your own in principle, and you go and make decisions mm-hmm. about the business. How do you how do you build up that trust, and when do you know they're ready for it? Is there like some kind of is it different or yeah, it is different. But I think trust is for me it's a really big word. Yeah. Actually, also after moving over here, because in in London trust is isn't isn't there there's no trust yeah. in the way you work and the way you live here in london mm. and it's really hard for me because i as a standard i trust everybody so not locking my bike to <laughs> to put my my baby to sleep outside the cafe <laughs> but also in the way i i work with the employees and also with, with the guests i do a lot of the customer support writing with the guest and right now we don't charge deposit for bringing groups, which are also not a common thing over here because of the trust issue, yeah. I, I assume. So this is a really something that triggered me when moving here. Always get this trust question because yeah. uh, I just really trust people and I also just do it when, in my management. But I get this a lot of time here in London. How can you trust people that much? <laughs> Yeah, because I guess also how do you then, because if you hire um, local people mm-hmm. as used to uh, in, in the way it, 
trust is seen is like the, the is in principle nobody trusts you therefore they follow up on you you have the very yes. top down kind of if it's a small organization a big organization there's always been there's always somebody following up on you yes that's typical the very hierarchical kind of feature of a you know british management culture yep. and i think in general of western management culture i also seen this in denmark by the mm-hmm. way it is often very unhealthy cultures mm-hmm. i can really feel that yeah. uh, also trying and it's especially for the new employees they have to learn the way we do it and especially here locally they have to see it a lot of times and if there's something little bit mix they can they can straight away they 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 try to claim you so yeah we have to always be be there and 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 show them that they can trust us because it's yeah, they learn from something else have there something that you would undo in on that journey on around because trust is really essential in any culture but yeah of course is there anything you would undo especially moving over here or do you no. think it's 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 winning you're catching up now no I'm, i'm really satisfied that we we kept the this personality and we kept this all the way but i can also see that in some point in some years when we grow with more restaurants in some way in some someday i need to accept some of these premises I, i will never say i will never take deposit because I, i know it will happen someday when we have more restaurants over here i i can see that already so i would try to keep my my personality as long as i can over here but yeah i will not undo it but i know i have to accept that one day i have to adapt more to this culture and also in the way that i also accept a lot of other things mm. um the the commute world here with people traveling yeah more than an hour to go to work is something that you have to uh, do completely different because in Denmark if you have 20 minutes to work it's it's, it's a long trip <laughs> 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 so so it's another thing to, to how to do the management and you have to accept that also in the way that you cannot you cannot make a formula that fits to Oslo to London to Copenhagen it's it's not the same Do you think also as you like grow more restaurants across more you know countries that you would have to formalize more things? Uh, I really hope I uh, I should not do that. I uh, hope I, I can I can do a bit out, but uh, you never know. I can see the pressure now with mm. getting big, and also this corporate pressure that some things you really you just have to do it. Also, if you unless you have to be there yourself 24 hours and I also want to be there for my kids so yeah it's a really uh, a balance sometimes uh, but uh, I will try to keep the personality in the in our management as long as possible if we then take it a bit out to the the current situation hospitality is hard we already touched on and getting the right people recruiting them and then mm-hmm. retain them What is it that that's really shifting in your view? What is it that they're changing in the expectations from people today? And I guess you can almost take the the, the view from Scandinavia to the UK. Mm-hmm. Like, is there like some things that as an operator that you just need to be much more aware of and change, of course, as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah, this this business have changed a lot. Uh, the 10-15 years we have been working this and and. When we started being a bartender, waiter was one of the 
the the best job you could have as a as a young person in, yeah. in Denmark and not because of the money but all the attention and a lot of other stuff and it was really difficult to get uh, the best waiter position in Aarhus or Copenhagen but now there are so many other opportunities and uh, people have so many other demands than just yeah. get the attention and uh, so you really have to focus in in making the job and the atmosphere in another Uh, point of view but i think one of the the, the things are still there for us is that um we are we are still based in the big cities and so we have a lot of uh, people coming mm. in moving in uh, start studying have this as a job while while they're studying and then they work there more and more uh, so for us we still keep this is a really good place to meet new people when you're new in london or when you're new in copenhagen It's amazing to have a a job in a, in a restaurant because it's a it's an amazing place to meet new friends. Uh, and we have a lot of uh, our staff doing the years that are friends for life. We have mm. a lot of the, some married now. They have kids, uh, yeah. everything. So we this family thing you can make in a restaurant is is something you cannot get in another kind of job because you work. In strange hours, your work is tough, and you can sit down afterwards, have a glass of wine, or whatever you can do together. So there's so much where you really get together, and and that's what we're trying to keep uh, this family yeah. feeling. So yeah, if, if you if you need a a partner in life, then get a job in in our restaurant. It's <laughs> <laughs> true for me as well. I found my partner in in the in, in the restaurant world yeah, as well. Be. And that's how it is. What is what did you see? Like you know, you talked about the importance of you know, profit and you know, happy employees or being nice to people, are really connected. Mm-hmm. How do you keep the balance on that? You know, when tough things goes tough. I guess you've been through some tough times as well, where you know you need now really to tighten the belt because it's tough times and you know, lots of people have tough times in the moment out there, but how, how do you balance that and make sure that you still are delivering on the equally on those two things? Yeah, we tried that many times, also with the pandemic, of course, yeah. but also another other kind of periods that we had concept that was not performing and stuff yeah. like that. So it's really a really tough balance, but I actually I think the, the other balance is also really tough when it's, when it's, when it's going really well mm. and also trying to keep that because you you know that this is not, will not last forever. So you cannot just give them and give them. It's a really a big balance and also we are expanding. So when we had success in one restaurant, we used the money to build another restaurant. So yeah. none of us have a really big fancy houses or big cars and stuff like that. We we invested in new restaurants so it was it still a balance all the time that trying to keep them motivated give them yeah. not give them and then not yeah so i think to answer your question i think just trying to put yourself into this position i think that's one of the main reasons we can do that if there's something tough we try to put ourselves in this position because we started as yeah. a waiter and a bartender or in the kitchen so we know exactly the feeling and uh, our old bosses from many years ago in Aarhus there was some of the richest people in in Aarhus so we know also how to be to work in a group with no contact to the management yeah so we know exactly how it is so we really try to keep that balance stay keep in the position of the employees and try to speak with them and and it's interesting often that you know the harder thing as you grow is to keep in the 
the shoes of where you were yourself once because you as you say you you develop and, and you move on and I guess like that's by being next to them as well you can really explain how much transparency do we have on you know your numbers and how it's going are you like telling the staff that you know you see that becomes more and more some organizations become much more open about you know the PL, this is where we are this is the situation this is why we can do what we can do the managers and the head chefs they got more or less totally transparency mm. they know everything uh some of the numbers we are telling but it's also not to confuse them because mm. some of the staff they they don't care about that actually mm. they they just want to have a a good job meet new people and and have fun yeah and make some money for themselves yeah so it's it's a balance it's not that we try to hide it or anything like that but mm. the managers knows the numbers and of course the 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 guest feedback we we tell people yeah. everybody gets the mail how is the feedback so yeah. and they know the salary percentages they know the the the, f- the cost of food percentages so yeah we try to keep them open if if staff want to listen but uh, no not everybody wants to want to be involved no no but i think it's there and then you're already you're sharing it and i guess like i've I've been myself and I've heard about people that's been in an environment where even not even the general manager on the runs the restaurant knows exactly about how the PL looks and yeah, therefore yeah. you you can't really run the place because yeah. you don't know if you're doing that, how that impact that. Exactly. So we, we we for the managers they have yeah, open books that they can see everything. Yeah. What about technology? Does that play as you've been growing the business? Yeah, a lot. We've been I've I think for for some places, we've been yeah one of the first movers on on some technology in Denmark. Yeah. Also because we are not not to say anything bad about the other kind of restaurants, but we are not owned by chefs, so our focus is is not that much about creating something new kind of special dish. So we gonna our focus was to create some special atmosphere for mm. our guests, mm. uh, and in that reason we we also try to incorporate data. And so for us, we use data a lot. For us, a good dish is the 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 dish that sells the most. So every time we make a new menu, we look at the data. What are people uh, ordering and and stuff like that? Instead of focusing on what we prefer ourselves. And how do you do you use technology to facilitate the the culture and make sure that because the customer reuse is probably very technology driven and thereby it feeds the culture with positive and negative feedback. But do you, other things you're doing to actually make sure that you are in touch with your people because 700 people, I'm just thinking on so many destinations, it's hard to to reach them all. Yeah, we have a app made by a Danish company called Monetary where. We have it's like a internal app where we can put up recipes, we can put up uh, all the communications. You can chat to each other, and and it connects with our schedule system called Plan Day. So every day, the shift managers can create a group directly from Plan Day into Monetary and say, today's focus is blah blah blah. So instead of having a, a staff meeting every day physical, because people don't have time anymore to come one hour no. before the shift or whatever. They just get it um, written uh, on the phone. So every day when they sit in the train or on the bus, they they can read what is focused for today. So yeah, they get that electronically and we all the communication with the staff. So 
sometimes people are, are asking for a staff meeting, but actually every time we try, we we can see that peop- the things we're telling about is something we already written in, in electronics. So the staff meeting, we try to make it more like the social thing. Yeah. And then all the information, all the important thing is, is electronic. And same, all our customer service, everything is, is more or less data and, and electronic driven now. What is what about you know? Do you have like things that you use to measure technology that they measure satisfaction on a regular basis, or is it more surveys based once a year, twice a year? Yeah, we in the in the monetary we have a survey sent out four times a year, and and we also have some other kind of sometimes we make some push to to just to to see the satisfaction, and then of course we also do this headquarter system where we have a headquarter with the, the, the economic, the marketing, customer service. So we send out to the managers surveys to are you happy with the marketing department and stuff like that. So we do that all the time, and all our restaurants are. It's from the guest point of view. It's completely different. It's a one is Asian, one is steakhouse. Yeah, but behind the scenes is completely the same. Yeah, so same all the systems, same yeah. systems, same electronic. So we can also move around staff. So if you've been working a long time in the steakhouse and if you want to try something new, challenge, you can go into the Asian concept and try some other food and some other uh, ways to do it. But the the boring stuff in in your work is the same. It's the yeah. same POS system. It's the same where you communicate and everything is the same, yeah. What about, uh, you talked about social gatherings. Do you have like some key rituals in the organization, like events, things that happens that really makes you dining six? Yeah, as we have some, yeah, we have the the... We have one big staff party where we collect everybody from all the countries. It's one big party and we make like a award show where we make the weights of the year and the chef of the year. But I think the most important social things is the not planned. Mm -hmm. The, 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 The gift, the managers, the options to sit down after a crazy shift where they break a record and just put two bottles of vodka on the table and said, let's celebrate this. So... The managers during the day, they, are, uh, they can do that if they want. We just tell them that you have to put it in the system. But it's up to you what you think people should have to afterwards. So I think the best social gatherings is actually the non-planned. Yeah. And especially the non-planned from the head office. So when we give the, the staff this free space to sit together and learn to learn each other sit down so a lot of restaurants the managers ask for buying board games and mm. stuff like that so you just sit after work nothing ha- not to have to include alcohol you just sit and play a board game together sometimes we have a projector they they put a, a movie on or something like that yeah. that's actually the best social activities i think it's interesting again you're giving the them permission and the framework to be able yeah. to do that because sometimes that's actually quite hard as yeah. a manager to be allowed of, to spend that money or do those. And of calls. course, sometimes it can <laughs> go the other way. Yeah. It went too crazy. Or, so of course, it's also yeah. a balance that we have to say to them, if you're going to work next morning, you have to be ready. Then you cannot make, no. a, you cannot make a, a party to 5 a.m. with people. Uh, that has to go to work. has to go, go to work the day after. But yeah. So it's a, it's a mix about trying to give them this free space yeah. without... Making too much rules, but um. what would be the top advice you would give to somebody that's on a similar journey and wants to create their special culture? Because we hadn't talked about it. Any, every culture is different, and there's different things that triggers to make it great, you know. And 
But what would be like your top advice as people go on that journey? It's really to to do use yourself. You cannot mm. you cannot put culture into a bottle. You cannot do something that not you. So yeah. you, and you cannot manage people in another way than than you are. So you really yeah. have to to stick to your own way of doing it and keep keep that. Be yourself. It's, yeah. It sounds like a cliche, but it's it's really important not try to be someone that you're not are because this, your staff will notice straight away. Yeah. And every time you try to be somebody else, it's it will affect the way you work straight away. Yeah, that's very interesting. I've been through myself and seen myself is that when you either come into a culture where you are not from the beginning and you come with your ways yeah, and they actually work really well in order, then it's not going to work. No. Because uh, if you're there to change things, it's not good because it, it, the culture lies with the founder and the founder seat. So often those businesses really struggle as they either grow or become more professional because the original feeling of being you or the founder. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong to be a restaurant owned by a chef who's really creative with food. Yeah. There's nothing wrong if we have a restaurant with a really business guy with a suit all the day, but you have to be 100%. Yeah. You can't you can't be in the in the twilight zone. No. You that. cannot try if if one day it happened maybe once a year I have to wear a suit to meet somebody from a bank or something like that. My staff are laughing at me <laughs> and so I, I could never be that person. No. And I could never be the creative chef anyway. No. So I have to stick with uh, what I am and, yeah. and and be proud of that. Yeah. Um, where can people connect with you if they want to hear more about what you're doing, get some maybe some advice? or Yeah, I think ball is uh, all over every social channel. But uh, of course, LinkedIn is something I use. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you can share your, my mail in, in your profile if you want to as yeah. well. Yeah. We'll put that in the, the show notes, the, the website, LinkedIn, and, yep. and your email as well, Morten. Thank you so much for meeting up here in, in London to have a chat about uh, your journey, but also how you build a business that people want to join and stay with and uh, grow together with you uh, as the five partners. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us a like, share it with anyone you think would benefit from it. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at michael at Hospitality Mavericks or Christopher at Seek.io. Expansion through culture, the Scandi way, were brought to you by Seek, the social internet. Check them out at Seek.io or contact them directly at Christopher at Seek.io. Thank you for tuning in.